The first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there, and the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen. But we won't get there without you. Visit ALZ.org to join the fight. Hey everyone, welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast, part of the Fantrax family. My name is Mung, and of course you can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. Hey Addicts, it's Los FFA underscore Los. Welcome back to the podcast, heading into week five, closing out week four. It's been a fun season so far, a lot of ups, lots of downs. Plenty more injuries, of course, and a few upsets this week. Uh, hopefully that didn't rattle your cage too much, Mom. Yeah, it's been a very strange fantasy week for me, at least. Uh, I'm going to be losing in one of my leagues, even though I had the nearly 50-point 50, 50 outing from Tyreek Hill, where the rest of my team combined <laughs> for about 50 points. So uh, just, uh, you know, fantasy always keeping us on our toes. Uh, a lot of highs and lows on this roller coaster ride. You win some, you lose some. Hopefully you win more than you lose, but most importantly of all, hopefully you have fun along the way. Yeah, and uh, you can have some fun yourself uh, if you check out Thrive Fantasy because Thrive offers DFS-style contests on player props. It's super easy to play. You just pick 10 out of 20 player props for the week, and with each one getting assigned a fantasy point value for the over and under based on how likely the outcome is. The more that you get right, the bigger the payout. Thrive Fantasy has over $100,000 in weekly prizes, including their Sunday contest, where first place wins twenty grand. Sign up now with our promo code FFA, and you'll receive an instant 100% deposit match of up to $100 for your first deposit, minimum $10 deposit. Check it out today on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, or you can play at thrivefantasy.com. That's T-H-R-I-V-E fantasy.com. And that'll take us into our, uh, without further ado, take us into our game previews heading into week five. Uh, this Thursday night, we get a nice NFC West showdown, the LA Rams coming into Seattle. Uh, the Rams laid a bit of an egg against the Cardinals in an odd juxtaposition. Typically Cardinals uh, lay more eggs than Rams, but what do I know? Uh, the Seattle defense doesn't move me off of Stafford Cup or Henderson as a running back to Robert Woods scored a touchdown, uh, though it was very late and behind only six targets on the game in what many would call garbage time. Uh, Stafford needing to keep passing late to keep the game remotely uh, interesting. I don't think that's going to be the weekly scenario for this team. And despite the touchdown, my faith in Woods actually has dwindled a little bit even more after this game, despite the touchdown. Um, certainly don't sell for pennies on the dollar. In fact, he's a flex play here against Seattle, but uh, certainly not the wide receiver two we wanted. Definitely not. And if anything, perhaps this is a good week to target any league mates who perhaps aren't as invested in fantasy and just look at the box scores every week. Um, maybe they see that touchdown from Woods and maybe you can get some value uh, because you're right, Los, I think Woods is just a flex player, wide receiver three going forward. Uh, certainly Cup is clearly the number one at this point in Stafford's eyes. And Van Jefferson, uh, he and Woods have each seen six targets apiece in the last two games, even with Woods playing a few more snaps. And I, I think Jefferson is definitely going to be worth picking up. Uh, it could He could finish the season with similar production to Woods uh, based on how the first four games have been trending. 
As for Henderson here, I actually think he's a solid running back one, despite not getting a whole lot of production against Arizona. Uh, I was a little bit concerned that Henderson might cede some touches to Sony Michelle after coming back from that rib injury, but that was not the case. Henderson returned to 90% of the snaps, uh, six targets as a receiver. Uh, that's the kind of workhorse role that you wanted, uh, that we all wanted from Cam Akers before his injury. And now it, it seems like Henderson is getting that sort of usage. As for the Seattle side of the football, Chris Carson should hopefully be fine despite leaving the game for a little bit, coming back, seeding that touchdown to Alex Collins. Uh, though the Rams are, of course, a very tough pull for him. Uh, Metcalf, Lockett, and Wilson are weekly goes regardless of the matchup. Moderately concerned about Carson. And then Everett's probably going to be back next week, but uh, so don't buy a ticket on the Swain train. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I feel like the Seahawks beat reporters are slacking a little bit because uh, we didn't talk about it on last week's podcast because the news kind of came out after, but there were a couple of quiet, low-key reports that Carson had um, had a minor hamstring strain from week three, so the game two weeks mm-hmm. ago, uh, and, and it didn't seem like a, a major thing, but it, it just wasn't being talked about much, and then I, I think this was part of the reason that we did see so much usage for Alex Collins. Um, So right now, Carson's kind of an iffy flex play. This game is on Thursday night, so he's not going to get a a whole lot of time to recuperate. I do think Alex Collins is worth picking up um, either potentially if you're desperate for some production this week, if you think Carson will continue to be limited or maybe on the short week's rest, there is slightly higher risk that Carson could aggravate this injury Uh, and hopefully not because through three weeks before the weird usage, he was the RB 12 in PPR. Certainly a team that, uh, or a guy that a lot of teams have been leaning on thus far. Um, this week I'm going to take the road team, the LA Rams to come into Seattle and, uh, take the victory. Yeah. My takeaway from the Cardinals Rams game wasn't that the Rams are bad, but that the NFC West is really good. And Arizona might Mm -hmm. be, uh, uh, might've been slept on this preseason because that defense looks a lot better than we expected it to be. Absolutely. I'm going to take uh, the Rams as well. All right. This week, first week we get a Sunday morning London game, 7 a.m. Central eight or sorry, 7 30 a.m. Central eight 30 a.m. Eastern. And if you were wondering why we don't have that many fans over in London, they get to watch the New York jets at the Atlanta Falcons. How exciting. Uh, so Corey Davis did come through first at the end and Jamison Crowder had a nice return game for him. I think both are fair flex options with some upside because we are playing against Atlanta and uh, the rookie is still a little dinged up. Not certain how much play he's going to get here. Michael Carter is trending toward the consistently top back for the Jets, but he isn't worth all that much just yet. You could certainly flex him if you if you absolutely need to. Yeah, I think Carter is certainly a viable RB3 against the Falcons this week. Atlanta's allowed three rushing touchdowns over their first four games, and they've given up a ton of receiving yards to running backs as well. Um, Even though Carter had negative receiving yardage on his one catch (laughs) against the Titans, he did lead the backfield with three targets versus two each for Coleman and Johnson here. So I do think he's got a good shot here at another touchdown. And uh, I do agree. Uh, Crowder is a good flex playing PPR with how much he was targeted uh, now that he's back and healthy. Hopefully knock on wood uh, for a little bit here. As for the Falcons, quite a week for Cordero Patterson. 
three early receiving touchdowns, certainly not in garbage time, part of the game plan. Uh, He's been an effective scorer for lineups, even without uh, scoring the touchdown. So to me, he remains a very fair flex play. Uh, Given the injuries at running back and the questions around the position, he's creeping towards a guy that I don't think I want out of my lineup this week. Um, Although London games do get crazy. Um, He's stepped up where we expected uh, a, uh, wide receiver two to be able to for this team, but Pitts hasn't stepped forward. Gage didn't step forward. Of course he got injured. Um, and Cordero, uh, Cordero, wow. Can't speak today. Patterson is uh, soaking up these targets right now. Yeah. And I think he's an RB two going forward, uh, in PPR formats. It is risky because just 30%, uh, snaps played this past week, uh, just happened to score three touchdowns, but it is worth noting that he is one of Matt Ryan's favorite targets, particularly, Uh, In the red zone, he's being used a lot in the red zone. So while that touchdown rate is pretty unsustainable, uh, it it, it isn't crazy, excuse me, to think that he could score a higher touchdown rate than average because of the way he's being used in this offense. Look, I don't know what to tell you about Calvin Ridley at this point. It's certainly not the top five wide receiver that you drafted him to be, but he's been solid. The snaps and targets are there, and they just haven't hooked up for those big plays or touchdowns. But uh, look, stay the course with Ridley because you're probably not getting a whole lot of trade value if you're trying to sell low right now. No, certainly not. It is tough on any offense to be uh, the only the best and only weapon out there in the receiving game and uh, Pitts, you know, he's great, but he's, he's, he's a rookie. You know, if you, if you were wise, you, you thought that was going to come. We thought Ridley was a little more elite than he is, but Hey, maybe next year, um, regardless of all that, I think I'm going to take Atlanta on the, at home, but uh, truly across the pond in London. Yeah, this is a tough one, uh, especially with the London games being so strange. I, it would not yeah. shock me at all if the Jets won this one. I'm, I'd certainly stay away uh, as I did uh, with the Tennessee game last week uh, for any survivor pools or anything like that. But yep. I will lean Atlanta here, given uh, that we did see their offense kind of uh, come alive against Washington this past week. All right, now back to our normally scheduled program. The Sunday noon Central 1 p.m. Eastern games kickoff with Green Bay Packers at the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati's defense is not of too much concern right now. And while A.J. Dillon saw increased carries, in fact, 15 compared to Aaron Jones's 15 this last game, the Pittsburgh game was well in hand. I expect Burrow and Chase to keep this one closer. So I think Jones continues to be a bigger part of the plan. Don't get too worried. And I don't think you get too excited about Randall Cobb here. He will see more targets, but Cincinnati has absolutely no answer on defense for Devontae Adams. But Cobb does make uh, Robert Tunyon's outlook much, much bleaker and all but ends everything but um, uh, MVS and Alan Lazard. Yeah, I don't know that there's a whole lot to say here. Adams, of course, you're starting. Tunyon, I think he's droppable at this point. There are just so yeah. many other tight ends who are producing, who are seeing yep. significant snaps that, um, yeah, I don't think, uh, I mean, I wasn't high on Tunyon to begin with this year, but certainly I did not think he would be quite this bad. I don't know uh, what else to say. That's about all I got for the Packers. It's it's Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I think you covered it. Um, well, and. Aaron Jones. All right. Sorry, I meant for, the, kept, for the passing game. Oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, Cincinnati kept it close, needing a big day from CJ Uzuma. Uh, I, I think he disappears with the uh, three wide receivers, all healthy, all of which are solid plays here against the Packers. Mixon is locked in, though. Uh, uh, Samaji Pirine has been seeing third down work, despite it not really showing up in the box score. 
But we did get word that uh, Joe Mick is struggling with a little something in his ankle. So let's keep a, keep a close eye on what's going on with the rest of this week. If he can't go, I think you can slot Pirine in here. Uh, Burrow's lack of rushing is certainly capping his upside, and I'm I'm still glad not to have spent up on him in drafts, despite uh, Chase Jamar Chase being a total beast so far. Right, and right now Mixon is listed as week to week, so that certainly does not work mm-hmm. well for his status. Uh, even though he does get ten days to recover um, with the Bengals having played on Thursday night this past week. Uh, That said, you know, remember last year where it was a, will he, won't we, we just, we just don't get very good injury news or reports out of Cincinnati. So definitely something to keep a close eye on. Uh, P Ryan will certainly be on the waiver section later uh, as well as Chris Evans, who could see an expanded role potentially with Mixon out. So yeah. Um, Otherwise, it's Chase, and it, it does sound like Higgins will be back. So yeah. uh, perhaps um, temper expectations on Tyler Boyd after his big, big game against the Jaguars on Thursday. Silver lining here is that this is one of those noon, 1 p.m. Eastern games, so we will know about uh, Joe Mixon at an appropriate time, not having to wait on making a decision for Sunday night or Monday night. So that's silver lining there. I'm going to go ahead and take Green Bay in this game here. Um, real quick, just in case uh, you're picking between Chris Carson and Joe Mixon, I would go with Carson. Yes? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think Carson has a better shot than uh, Mixon uh, yeah. playing this week, and I will also take the Packers. Luckily, you will know because Carson's playing on uh, Sunday or on uh, Thursday, I mean to say. So, so <laughs> right. The decision may be made for uh, you. You know, don't wait on Mixon if Carson's your other option. Totally. Totally not. Yeah, Carson has a much better chance to play, I think. All right. Uh, Detroit at Minnesota. Uh, Odd game plan here from Detroit, but Swift remains a running back to Williams should be a flex play, but they have uh, given him more carries and fewer receptions. Um, All right. I guess I don't love him either way here. Uh, TJ Hawkinson continues to lead in targets, though Khalif Raymond added two touchdowns. Recency bias over the last two weeks would point towards Khalif Raymond as a scoring threat here. He probably should be rostered in deep leagues. I certainly would not spend much. He'd he'd be one of my like zero or $1 specials. Um, The only reason I even bring him up, bring him up is because we have seen Jared Goff find a top target for himself, not necessarily the best player on the team, but we've seen him lock onto a target in red zone situations. Like we've seen with Cooper cup in the past. I'm certainly not calling him a must add, but, Goff may just make him retain value through the year. Yeah, maybe maybe a zero dollar bid in deeper yeah. leagues, but uh, you know we we Deep thought yeah, we thought it was Cephas after one week, right? And then Amon right. Ross St. Brown actually led the team or tied the team uh, for the lead in targets with Hawkinson this past week. So it's just I don't think there's a good answer for this until we do see Goff perhaps uh, develop that chemistry. But as of right now, I would still be continuing to avoid all the Lions receivers. And if I had to pick one, it's probably still Cephas in this one. Yeah, I'm not picking one to start. That's for sure. All right. As for Minnesota, I am concerned about Delvin Cook. Uh, If I had my preference against Detroit here, it would be for the team to sit him, lean into Alexander Madison, who on his own would be a fine start against Detroit, and focus on Thielen and Jefferson, uh, neither of which does Detroit have an answer for on the defensive side of the ball. But I'm not the coach, so we shall see. Uh, Cousins should bounce back here and be just fine against Detroit. 
Yeah, Thielen too. He didn't have a touchdown, but saw a ton of targets against Cleveland. And again, this Detroit secondary has been absolutely awful. And I agree. I think if Minnesota is smart here, uh, I think they can win this game if they play tight and you know limit the turnovers with Alexander Madison and sitting Dalvin Cook, letting him get to 100%, maybe even sitting him for two weeks, depending on how they look without him this week. Um, we'll talk about Madison on the waiver section just because he was dropped in a few leagues after it was reported that Cook was going to be back. So he's out there in, in quite a few leagues and uh, definitely keep an eye. We'll talk about him again in just a few minutes. Crazier things have happened, but I think Minnesota handles this one pretty well. Yeah, another one I would shy away from for any survivor pools with the divisional game, and we've seen Minnesota just be fluky bad at times, um, but I, I will take the Vikings as well at home. Denver Broncos at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Teddy Bridgewater is a huge loss for this team, as Drew Locke did, uh, did not show much in relief after his concussion. This is a big hit for Sutton and Tim Patrick, whom I would try to avoid if possible. Um, I mean, Sutton is still a play as a flex, but expect a tough day. Fant is still a back-end, tight end, one play, um, but this offense has taken a big step backwards. And while both running backs are still in flex consideration, the ceiling is not there for now um, in a Drew Locke-led offense. No, it's uh, this is very, very bad news if... Uh... If Teddy Bridgewater is not ready to go this week, uh, it's just tough to have faith in any of these Broncos pass catching options. Um, we just didn't see any production that we can trust. Even with 10 targets, uh, Noah Fant just 46 yards. The touchdown saved him, of course. So he's the safest play as of right now. Um, Sutton and Patrick against Pittsburgh, just I think just wide receiver fours if... Uh, if Locke is the starter here, I just can't trust him. He's looked erratic, and I understand he hasn't been getting the starter reps with Bridgewater in as the starter, but still, we, we've seen the Drew Locke experiment, and uh, I do think it's time to pull the plug on that. The Broncos made the right call in the preseason. Um, yeah, hopefully Bridgewater's back. And Denver provides a very tough defensive matchup for Ben Roethlisberger, who has limited uh, offensive weapons, and he's limited his own offensive weapons, certainly not looking so great. Um, that all, of course, does not apply to Deontay Johnson, who is a stud. Uh, though that may change heading into game time, uh, Deontay is going to be a solid play. Najee get, is going to get a ton of looks, and Juju is going to be a pretty low ceiling, but he should get plenty of targets sort of buff flex option just sort of depends if you need a swing for the fences I certainly would not play Juju uh, this week yeah Denver's a tough defensive matchup here uh, this could be a low scoring game with plenty of turnovers if it's Locke versus this version of Ben Roethlisberger so uh, again Claypool is questionable that would certainly help uh, Pittsburgh if he's able to return and uh, yeah I mean really really we just want to see that continued uses for Najee Harris if you drafted him just the the check down king right now Ben Roethlisberger this is a pretty ugly game to have to call um, the line is practically a pick em right now um, without uh, without the new lines coming out uh, without taking the lock potential start into play uh, if, if you'll allow it can I pick Denver if Bridgewater plays and and lock and Pittsburgh if Locke plays because I just don't I, I think Denver's defense dominates this game but if Locke's playing he will give it away yeah I know I I am in lockstep with you here and if you oh. are a sports better uh, you know it, it's a coin flip right so if you think Bridgewater is yep. going to pass concussion protocol maybe put some money on Denver before that line shifts 
There we go. All right, Miami at Tampa Bay. Tough matchup for Miami, of course, especially for the running backs. Gaskin is a complete and utter avoid this week, not even leading the team last week. Um, and for that matter, I would not play Malcolm Brown here. Mike Kosicki has found himself a solid role with Jacoby Brissett and remains in play here, though. And Parker and Waddle are flex options against the Tampa Bay secondary. Fuller, of course, pulled up with that injury. Um, so both, uh, all three of them, uh, you know, Waddle, Parker, and, uh, and Gasicki should get plenty of targets. Yeah, with Fuller out with that broken finger, it's going to concentrate the target share even more than it already was. Um, certainly do like uh, Gasicki, Waddle, and Parker, as you said. But, man, really, this this Dolphins backfield has turned into a full-on committee, which was a fear yeah. given the preseason usage that we saw from Malcolm Brown. Um, even worse is that, you know, at least, at the very least, we would think that Gaskin would be that pass catching back, but you know, Salvin Ahmed is taking some pass game usage. Uh, just not much meat on the bone for Gaskin here. And he's borderline droppable. I was talking to, uh, I was responding to a question on Twitter earlier today. And I said, yeah, if you, if Naeem Hines is on the waiver wire, I'd probably drop Gaskin for him at this point. Well, what do you think about that? Los? No question about it. Um, I, I would, I mean, if you could sell them to somebody who's not paying as close of attention to uh, to game lines or anything, maybe give it a shot if somebody's horribly desperate at running back. But if there's no chances for that to happen, he, yeah, he he can be dropped. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's all I got on the Dolphins. Oh, uh, right, real my, quick. Yep. Uh, I think in shallower leagues, I think Fuller's droppable depending on your team need. Uh, he's just hurt so much. He's been losing targets even in his first game back uh, to Waddle and Gesicki from the check down King Brissett. And then remember last year with Chris Godwin, a similar finger injury, he struggled even once he came back um, catching balls, a lot of drops. So uh, what are your thoughts on Fuller? I would try to hang on to him just because of the upside um, drafting him when you did was pretty late. So he was finding a, you know, a comfortable spot on your bench, regardless if there's, if there's like a must add player that you need, he is droppable. But I think if Tua does end up coming back at some point, I, I still think that he still has the potential to, to flash for, you know, two, 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 wow, two deep touchdowns in a given week, just like we saw last year. Fair enough. Well, I mean, okay. Real hypothetical real quick before we sure. move on in the next game, let's say you're two and two. Um, so, you know, you could use a win and, uh, Damian Williams is out there, right. Or Cordero yeah. Patterson. Yeah. Yeah. I would rather have both of them than him, but I, you're sort of cheating on me because if, when it comes to running back versus wide receiver, yeah, I, I think you got to stash your bench with, uh, with solid running backs over wide receivers every day of the week. Fair enough. Well, okay, let's go this route. What about, um, let's say like LaVisca Chenault was dropped or Jacoby Myers is out there, Hunter Renfro, these PPR guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'd take all, all three of them right yeah. there. I mean, just a lot of wide yep. receiver options and you know, yeah. Fuller's not going to be helping you for the next few weeks. Yep. Agreed. Oh, uh, that should take us into the Tampa side of the football. Huh? <laughs> well, Miami certainly doesn't pose much of a defensive challenge right now. Uh, unfortunately, we thought they might headed heading into the season, but uh, Brady and the wide receivers are going to be fine. Hopefully Gronkowski's back and healthy was pretty shocked to see him not suit up this past week. Um, but I guess, uh, I guess he's growing up. I guess his uh, health is more important than, uh, than revenge games and things of that nature. Uh, Fournette to me this week, can be played. He's got flex value. He should get plenty of rushing attempts and Brady should be throwing him the football. Um, 
yeah, I think this is a week for him. Yeah, with their injuries on the secondary, I think it would be smart to get a lot of carries for Fournette and Jones because Miami has been absolutely awful at stopping the run. I think that's the way to go here. Um, of course, the wide receivers will be fine, but uh, I, I do think they hold Gronk out for another week or two uh, because this is a team that you know their eyes are set on another Super Bowl and they need Gronk for that stretch run. So I, I would hope that they do not rush him back. I guess if you're looking desperate at tight end, there should be plenty of, you know, you've got Knox out there, you've got Gesicki potentially, but if it comes down to it, um, I would pick Brate over Howard. Yeah, you know, Brady was just not connecting at all with the rain, but, uh, you know, Brate did see, I think it was two end zone targets, so I, I would mm -hmm. take Brate over Howard, I agree with that. All right, shouldn't be a shocker here taking Tampa Bay. Yeah, you know, they're they're really hurting on the secondary. Uh, yeah. I, I think all three of their starters are hurt, you know. Um, but that said, Miami's offensive line also struggles a lot. So that front seven is going to uh, make life very difficult for Jacoby Brissett this week. So I, I do still lean Tampa Bay. New Orleans at Washington. Washington's defense is definitely better than the Giants. But it's still just Alvin Kamara for me. Um, we... I think it's it's worth it to give the Michael Thomas owner a buzz if they're sitting there one and three or zero oh and four and need to win now. Michael Thomas has upside as this team is desperate for consistent playmakers. Yeah, sorry. Um, what about Michael Thomas? Just keep an eye if if the uh, if the guy who's got Michael Thomas is one and three, zero oh and four, really in need of playmakers, and you can get him for practically nothing, um, especially in a league where there's an IR. Somebody just may be desperate enough to let you have them. Yeah, uh, definitely worth a shot if you're sitting at, you know, three and one or four and oh, yep. for sure. Yep. Um, but yeah, otherwise, Jameis Winston does not look great. And uh, Taysom Hill keeps vulturing touchdowns anyway. So, uh, you know, I was never on board with Winston, but if you were holding on to him after that hot week one start, you, you can drop him in one quarterback leagues. Totally. And for Washington, Gibson and McLaurin are locked in starts, of course. McLaurin looked great this past week, uh, making things happen for himself. J.D. McKissick had another solid week, and he's a flex option, though I, though I do have some concern for everyone. Um, most of all, of course, Logan Thomas with the injury. But I think, uh, I think his injury specifically is going to open the door for Curtis Samuel, coming back healthy, working to find his spot in this offense. I would not necessarily play him here, but uh, just keep your eyes peeled for what Curtis might put together. Yeah, Curtis is worth a look, too, because Diami Brown could also miss this week with an injury. So um, yeah. definitely someone to keep an eye on if you need wide receiver help. The New Orleans defense is tough, but I am going to lean towards picking Washington at home here. Um, hopefully I'm right. Yeah, I mean, Washington's secondary has been pretty awful as well, but uh, the Saints offense in general also looks pretty awful. So just... Uh, this could be another sloppy game, but I agree. I'm going to take Washington at home. Philadelphia at Carolina. I don't blame you one iota if you're worried about Miles Sanders, because I certainly am. I don't relying on this. I don't like relying on this offense. And with Hertz at quarterback, it is very hard to be sure about anything. Uh, Miles Sanders followed up a three-touch week with a just 10-touch week. Kenneth Gainwell is taking his share of pass game work. And it's all quite ugly to me. Um, I think they have a hard time with this Carolina defense here. I'd fade Sanders to the flex. Gainwell is in play in the flex, and it's very hard to trust either Goddard or Ertz get w with him getting uh, so many targets still. But I think either are in play if all you need is a uh, you know a gut shot at a, t a touchdown for your tight end. 
Uh, Devontae Smith is the only guy I've got uh, any faith in here. And, you know, Hurts, of course. Right. And, and certainly I, I would not drop Sanders per se, but we've been talking no, about no. Kenny Gainwell uh, in our waiver section for a while. Uh, he's clearly the preferred pass catching back in that Naeem Hines role. Uh, he's going to alternate usable weeks with Sanders, depending on the game flow, I think, for the Eagles. And, and with Carolina favored in this game, by I think it's four points as of right now. Um, and the Eagles potentially trailing again in the second half. It, it would not shock me if Gainwell once again were to outscore Sanders in PPR this week. And uh, Sam Darnold called his own number on the Carolina side twice for end zone rushes, uh, capping and sapping the ceiling from Chuba Hubbard right there, which stung a bit for uh, any McCaffrey guys out there who slotted Hubbard in instead. Uh, We did see a target step forward from Robbie Anderson with 11 targets, though not much production coming off of it. Uh, Neither here nor the rookie darling Terrace Marshall can be played just yet. Uh, Keep an eye on Christian McCaffrey's status heading into game week. DJ Moore is a stud with Sam uh, with Sam Darnold at quarterback. Um, that should cover it. Yeah, I mean, this is what uh, this is what we talked about last week, right? About not going crazy for Chuba Hubbard. Um, right. We did see Rodney Smith take on the pass catching role, which limited Hubbard's ceiling. Uh, though he is still a decent play here because he is getting pretty much all the carries. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, hopefully McCaffrey will be back soon. It sounds like he's going to try and practice on Wednesday. They're going to see where he's at. Uh, but if Carolina's smart, hopefully they'll hold him out another week till he is 100% and lower that risk of aggravation. I'll take Carolina here. Yeah, I'm going to take Carolina at home as well, but I think this is going to be another close one. Yeah, these the Philadelphia games are, are tough to call. It just sort of depends on what offense decides to show up. Tennessee at Jacksonville. Uh, we knew it was going to be tough for Tennessee without AJ Brown and Julio Jones, but I don't think anyone conceived of them losing to the jets quite that way. Um, but such is the NFL. Rarely do teams go completely, uh, un, un well, rarely do teams go. Owen 16 or Owen 17. Uh, Tannehill didn't tank your team with a 17 point day and I'm fine with him here. Uh, hopefully at least one of the wide receivers are going to be back. Uh, he is certainly using his running backs to effect in the passing game right now, uh, though only two targets to Derrick Henry. Uh, it, it's very tough to call this before injury reports are out, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think this might be another one we could cheat a little bit on where uh, I'll take Tennessee if Julio or Brown are back and if, if both are out again. I think I'm actually going to take Jacksonville. Uh, they Really? Looked, look, look, they came out swinging against the Bengals. Um I just, this Tennessee team is not looking good. I mean, it's all on Derrick Henry, right? He's pretty much putting the whole team on his back and he's been doing an okay job, but at some point the defense needs to step up a little bit. And uh, we finally saw Trevor Lawrence running a little bit. So that could be an issue for this Titans defense. Um, Look, Jeremy McNichols got 12 targets. He's worth a look in case this turns into another back and forth game because Derrick Henry can only do so much, and they if they don't have any pass catchers, then McNichols is going to continue to get these targets out of the backfield as the checkdown. I don't know that you can trust any of the other wide receivers, Rodgers, Reynolds, and Westbrook, Akine. They're all going to kind of split targets. And look, Anthony Ferkser, if he couldn't get it done with Julio and A.J. Brown out, I, I would not start Anthony Ferkser. Yeah, certainly not. And for Jacksonville, with Chark down early, production was left on the table for Chenault as Jones disappointed a bit. 
Both are flex plays against the Tennessee secondary. Robinson's a back-end running back, too, uh, with more of a hold on the running back work. And Dan Arnold does have some upside at tight end as, as he grows more into this offense. Yeah, I, I like both Marvin Jones and Chenault uh, with that target share potentially more concentrated with DJ Chark out for the year with that fractured ankle. Um, and then Dan Arnold saw two targets in his first game as a Jaguar just a couple days after he got traded. So, you know, we discussed him on last week's waiver section. He's there again at the bottom this week because we could see him get more and more involved as he gets up to speed here. Again, this is a team that's been throwing a lot. Um, and then finally, it's worth monitoring Carlos Hyde's um, status here. Not that you're starting Hyde, but again, if he's back, that will cap James Robinson's ceiling. Uh, as for a pick on this game, I'm going to take uh, Tennessee regardless of uh, who's back for the team. Um, Jacksonville, th this this team is in trouble, I think. I know they came out swinging this past week, and I think Urban Meyer might have got himself a little too excited because I think he is going to become a distraction for this team. Um, you can say what you will. I think that the I, if I was on his team, I wouldn't take this all that lightly. Um, I'm not going to dive into it, but I, I think this is a major distraction for it, for an NFL franchise and uh, not one that, uh, that a team like Jacksonville can afford. Yeah. I mean, Meyer just, <laughs> I don't think he's ready for the NFL coaching life. I, I don't know if he's going to make it more than two years. If that, um, as a head coach, but all that said, you know, Tennessee just really looked like they struggled um, against the Jets of all teams. And like I said, if Jacksonville can keep, you know, doing the things that they did well against the Bengals on Thursday, I do think that they have a chance at a, an upset this week. And, uh, you know, Urban Meyer wants to go out partying more and uh, he can do that better with a win. So uh, if I'll cheat a little bit here. If both Brown and Julio are both out again, I'm going to take Jacksonville. If either of them plays, I will swing it back to Tennessee. Well, then I guess, uh, I guess we'll do, I'll allow it. Sure. <laughs> All right. New England at Houston, uh, despite the matchup, Jacoby Myers is still really the only pass catcher with any potential, in my opinion, uh, certainly a capped ceiling here. Stevenson, uh, Ramondre Stevenson was inactive versus Tampa and the run game was essentially abandoned while Damian Harris ran plenty of routes. I think, uh, I think over 10, he is really the only running back I'd consider. And just as a flex for new England here, um, points are going to be scored. I'm just not certain where. Yeah. Um, you're not wrong. It's, it's Myers saw 14 targets last week, 12 this past week. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Nelson Aguilar, maybe he gets free for a long one, but he's going to be very, very boomer bust here. Certainly don't want to trust him. Uh, but I will say he's a wider receiver four with upside because of the matchup against the Texans. Yeah. Uh, for the Houston side, very embarrassing day for the Texans. Brandon Cooks remains the only play here uh, despite losing by 40 points. Your, uh, your alleged passing work running back, David Johnson, caught only three uh, had only three receptions so that, that's it for this team yeah my comments are uh it's brandon cooks and the new england defense yeah totally uh new england defense probably scored the most of any of any uh, player in this game except maybe i guess the kicker <laughs> all right uh, give me new england yeah, we, we've seen what Bill Belichick does to um, rookie quarterbacks, much less non-first-round rookie quarterbacks being thrown in just because of injury. Yeah, sorry, Davis. All right, that takes us into Sunday mid-afternoon. Chicago at Las Vegas. Chicago put together a nice win behind the strength of their defense early, 
though things did get hairy later in the game. Um, hopefully David Montgomery is going to be okay. Early, early reports is that they don't think it's an ACL. I don't know why they don't just do an MRI and know what it is, but okay. Hopefully we find out quickly either way. Uh, Damien Williams handled most of the work here, uh, but if Montgomery isn't healthy, I would consider Williams more of a flex play here. Uh, I have no choice but to fade Allen Robinson with Fields not locking onto him like our prior terrible quarterbacks have. And I really can't say why Matt Nagy is not game planning a quarterback run opportunities for a player who should be one of the best rushing quarterbacks in the, in the NFL. But hey, what do I know? I just talk about uh, I just talk about fantasy football on a podcast. If we had a decent coach, I would say that he's teaching Fields not to rely on his legs. But um, let's be honest here; they may not know that he's uh, he's a good runner. Yeah, I man, uh, when I picked Cincinnati on last week's show, I didn't know that Bill Lazor was going to get play calling duties back. <laughs> um, clearly, this this is a shot in the life, a shot in the arm, uh, given life to. Uh, this Bears offense that looked absolutely awful two weeks ago. So hopefully uh, Nagy will continue giving them to uh, Bill Lazor to call. We'll see how things go tonight with the Raiders, but they've given up four combined rushing and receiving touchdowns to running backs through three games. So assuming Montgomery is going to miss a couple weeks, maybe more with this knee injury that we don't know exactly what it is yet. I do like Damian Williams quite a lot as a back-end RB2 this week uh, with him projected to lead the backfield. Um, and yeah, look, we're going to talk about Darnell Mooney on the waiver section because he was clearly Justin Fields' favorite target. But Nagy has already said that Andy Dalton is the projected starter once he's healthy. So, you know, huh. whether we want to take his word for it, I don't know, but I would not go too crazy uh, with the fab dollars on Darnell Mooney because of that reason. Such is the life of a Bears fan. All right. Uh, Chicago is a tough defense. We all know this. Um, keep an eye on workloads tonight for the Raiders, both uh, for the running backs and wide receivers. If I'm being honest with myself, the circumstances are likely going to lead Peyton Barber biting into Josh Jacobs value for a decent chunk of the season. But uh, we shall see. Uh, Waller may go for two touchdowns against Chicago. Yeah, I'm not too concerned. I, I do think they go back to uh, Josh Jacobs. And for what it's worth, Barber did have a foot injury tonight. Uh, just happened a few mm. minutes ago, I think. So that would also help uh, Jacobs' workload. Um, worth noting that Jalen Richard's going to be activated off IR pretty soon. But uh, that doesn't matter unless we see Kenyon Drake miss time. So just something to monitor for deeper leagues. Uh, I'm going to take the Raiders here. I know I may be of little faith, but uh, yeah. Oh man, I'm so torn because if it's Bill Lazor and Justin Fields, I, I, I don't hate the Bears here. Um, the Raiders have had a really hot start to the year, but a lot of crazy game scripts at the same time. Uh, I'll take, oh man, I, I guess I'll take the Raiders just because they're at home, but uh yeah, I could the see Bears that. are the exact kind of team that the Raiders can lose to. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, I was just going to say, I feel like the Raiders are another one of those where I, I'm not fully convinced they're for real just yet. No, certainly not. We'll we'll see that uh, play out come playoff time. All right. Cleveland at the L.A. Chargers. I guarantee Nick Chubb owners are going to be mad about the hunt usage the past two weeks, despite Nick Chubb having 100 yards. But please give Nick a chance this week to, to, to score two touchdowns for you. Book it. If not, then you can officially be mad. 
Uh, Hunt maintains good flex upside here in a matchup where I expect Cle Cleveland to try and limit the pass and turn some clock here. Uh, Beckham is in play as a flex, but um, again, I do think that the passing usage is going to be capped. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that both Chubb and Hunt are RB2 options this week. Uh, we saw both Zeke and Pollard have huge we a huge week against the Chargers in Week 2. It's much easier to run on them than it is to throw on them. So I do think that's the game plan going in for the round. So I, I like both of the running backs. For the Chargers, keep an eye on usage and play in tonight's game. I do not expect much to change. You should be able to roll out Herbert, Eckler, Allen, and Mike Williams just fine. Cleveland's defense is tough, but this offense is quite good. Yeah, certainly. Um, I, I agree with that. We did see a, a touchdown to Donald Parham Jr., but I, I do think that Cook is still the safer option if you're starting a Chargers tight end. This, I think, was the, uh, despite hedging earlier, uh, not knowing about the Denver quarterback, to me, this is the hardest game to call because a lot is going to depend on the first quarter. If the uh, Chargers can score two quick ones, then the, then, uh, the, uh, the Browns are not going to be able to try establish the game flow they're going to try to. Um, but I don't see them abandoning the run with uh, Chubb and Hunt clearly being the two best players on that offense. I think I'm going to take the Chargers here. Yeah, I, I could see a path to Cleveland winning this for sure. Um, but again, yeah. I'm going to lean the home team in these in these close matchups. And again, because uh, the Browns secondary has struggled a little bit, their their strength is the pass rush. But the Chargers have a very good offensive line to um, negate that a little bit. Certainly the New York giants at the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, certainly nobody expected a giants win here. Big day for Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay. The rest really depends on health and the returns of Slayton and Shepard. Uh, Evan Ingram saw, I guess enough targets to stick in a lineup. If you're, if you're in a deep league and desperate at tight end, Ross had his annual touchdown. Don't count on that again. Uh, Kadarius Tony is in play. If the other two wide receivers remain out, I know we had a good game, but Shepard, Slayton, they all have good games. I really don't expect that to that to indicate that he's taken over or anything like that. Yeah, I think this is going to be messy once Slayton and Shepard are back. So I do think that all these wide receivers are going to see some snaps here and there. And the safest uh, is probably going to be Galladay going forward, yeah. although he, he also has a, a low floor most weeks. Uh, but this week, I, I do like them against Dallas, even though their defense has been playing much, much better than we expected in the preseason. For the Cowboys, I am legitimately surprised with CeeDee Lamb's last of, uh, lack of usage this game, but that can happen to any wide receiver in the league. Um, all the expected starters here, of course, Lamb, Cooper, Dak, and Zeke. Pollard is a gutsy flex play who I would not bet on this week. And it's hard to chase these tight ends with uh, with both seeing work here. It's it's a little too risky for me, but it does look like Schultz may be getting more pass game love after last year. Yeah, it's definitely Schultz over Jarwin right now. Um, he's played 73, 68 and 79% of the snaps since Gallup went down uh, the last three games. Um, whereas Jarwin has played just 47, 57 and 54% of the snaps. So um, we'll talk about Schultz on the waiver wire section and, yeah, it is kind of surprising because, you know, a lot of people were talking about how this was going to be the Cooper and Lamb show after Gallup went down, right? Right. Uh, but Dak has been very smart with the football. He's been spreading it around to whoever is open, which is great for the Cowboys as a team, but just rough for the fantasy GMs 
uh, who've been starting Lamb and Cooper, who've been um, you know struggling a little bit with lower floors than we expected. Because again, coming into the year, part of the love for these wide receivers was that they were going to be in a lot of shootouts. But uh, with the right. defense playing better than expected, they have been running the ball a lot more. Um, so it's tough here. Uh, I, I actually prefer Lamb over Cooper. This week with Bradbury possibly sure. sticking to Cooper this week, uh, along with um, the hamstring strain, which it doesn't sound like it's major. It's he's going to play, but just perhaps not quite a hundred percent. Although anytime the deck is stacked against Cooper, he pulls out one of those three touchdown games, doesn't he? <laughs> I could, I could certainly <laughs> see it. <laughs> All right. Give me Dallas here. Yeah. And you know, the NFC East is pretty crazy. Would not shock me if the giants won, but, I, I'm yep. definitely taking the Cowboys at home. San Francisco at Arizona. Trey Lance creeps into quarterback one consideration with his legs and the likely high scoring game to come from Arizona. Much of his yardage came from that horribly busted coverage on Debo Samuel. Just about half his yardage uh, passing yards came on that play. Uh, despite that, he's in play. And Debo and Kittle stay locked in a start. Scary play for George Kittle, but he should be good to go. Uh, I'd avoid the other wide receivers for now, and it's far, far, far too early to call on the running backs. But if everything stays equal on the active roster in the injury front, then Sermon's a flex option here. Yeah, Sermon looked a lot better this past week than he did um, against Green Bay on Sunday night a couple weeks ago. Uh, I do think it sounds like Mitchell will be back this week. Uh, if you're desperate uh -huh. where you need to start one of these guys, I would lean Sermon with the quote unquote hot hand for now um, until we see something change with Shanahan. Uh, as for Trey Lance, he just missed our waiver wire ads um, in terms of streaming quarterbacks for this week. But if he's out there, he's the highest upside in terms of rest of season. Um, we've seen what he can do with his legs again, uh, it was a broken play on that huge touchdown to Debo Samuel, and he looked pretty bad outside of that. Um, right. They also lost their left tackle, Trent Williams, to an injury. We're not sure yet if he's going to play in this game. Um, so certainly I, I think Lance has a high ceiling in this game, but he also has a very low floor. Yeah, yeah I mean, we saw in college, throw the ball deep or rush for 60. I mean, that's yeah, that's yeah. that's worth about the same amount uh, of points. Los, real quick, um, <laughs> yes. I, I got this question on Twitter the other day, um, yep. and this was before Garoppolo's injury, but mm -hmm. right now, if you're stashing Justin Fields or Trey Lance for the rest of the season, like you've got like a Tannehill or a Darnold as your starter, but you want the upside for one of those guys, the one of the rookies, yeah. which would it be? I, you're not stashing Justin Fields. Drop him immediately. <laughs> All right, then. That answers yeah. that question. Yep. How did you answer it? <laughs> I think we all know. Never mind. That's a silly question. <laughs> yeah, Anybody I don't, who knows I don't you think... knows how you feel about Trey yeah. Lance. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I, I'm yep. glad I got that point across in our in our few shows so far this season. Certainly. All right. If as for the Carolina, uh, Car the Car uh, Carolinas, the Cardinals, they uh, they beat the snot out of the Rams in what would considered an be considered an early season upset. Uh, and this offense is obviously for real. I don't think this team's going to need to do anything crazy to take down the 49ers. So expect solid days from Hopkins. Uh, Edmonds and Connor are both in play. And I think this uh, this week we did see A.J. Green get his turn on the wide receiver uh, wheel. My bet is that none of Green, Moore, or Kirk are really going to pay off dividends. But if you have absolutely to pick one, I, I would probably pick A.J. Green. Yeah, that's uh, that's tough. Um, 
I think it's still Christian Kirk for me in the slot, but right. uh, we've seen Max Williams eat into some of those middle of the field targets. So it really is a tough call here because uh, kind of like with, with what we talked about Dak Prescott, right? Kyler Murray isn't hyper targeting Deandre Hopkins anymore, which right. sucks for fantasy GMs, but it's, <laughs> it's smart football, right? Um, right. So yeah, I mean the, the Cardinals are probably one of the bigger surprises of the year so far, along with Carolina. Um, and yeah, they, they look, they look legit. Kyler Murray is probably an MVP candidate, probably leading the race right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to take Arizona at home. Yeah. It's hard to bet against Arizona until we see them, uh, really, really kind of fall on their faces, which they almost did against Jacksonville, surprisingly enough. So, right. You know, uh, they, they say any given Sunday for a reason. That's why they play the games on the field, not on, uh, not on the tel- uh, not on, uh, not on the podcast. Sunday night football, Buffalo at Kansas City. Unfortunately, 117 yards is probably not enough to silence the Stefan Diggs doubters and complainers. Uh, he's going to score this week. You can you can mark that in your book. Uh, Cole Beasley disappeared here, but I can for, I can forgive him in your flex position. Um, he shipped all of his targets Dawson Knox's way. Knox remains pretty touchdown dependent despite this game and the high target volume. We've seen this from him before, and we've seen him you know disappear just as quickly. I uh, hope not. You know he's a he's a pretty solid player to watch on the field. Uh, Beasley should return to being necessary against the Chiefs offense. Salad, uh, Sanders remains a solid flex. Um, I'm still not really interested in either running back unless in a, you're in a quite deep league. Uh, and if you had to, I'd pick Singletary over Moss. Interesting. Cause I, I think I'd actually lean Moss over Singletary. Um, mm. they, they've been splitting the work fairly evenly, but Moss is getting a, a few more red zone snaps. Um, so I think they're both going to be touchdown dependent flex plays. So they, sure. if you're hoping for the touchdown, I think Moss is probably a slightly better bet, but certainly uh, certainly rolling the dice here. Yeah. Um, but I did going back to what we talked about earlier. I did say, you know, I would, I would drop miles Gaskin for Zach Moss right now. Yeah, I would. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's yeah. I drop him for single Terry. Yeah. I would. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll talk about yeah. Knox a little bit more on the waiver wire section, uh, because he has been touchdown dependent, but again, the bills are an offense that, you know, we want shares of, they're going to score a lot. And Knox has averaged over 80% of the snaps the last three weeks. So I do think he's worth a shot if you need help at the position. And then, you know, uh, as for Beasley, certainly a disappointing week. But again, this was a game where they led by multiple scores for much of the game. Uh, And also uh, Beasley was seeing some tough coverage from Desmond King. So I, I do, I would go back to him as a wide receiver three or flex option in what could be a shootout against Kansas City. This is certainly shaping up to be quite a matchup. I repeat of the AFC championship last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, start all of your expected chiefs. This could be an 80 point game. Uh, Clyde Edwards, Alary added a receiving touchdown to a hundred yards on the ground. He's fine. Uh, it should go without saying, but don't worry about Travis Kelsey after what would be a bust week for him with only four short catches this past week. It happens. He's a pass catcher. Uh, don't, don't bet on it twice. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, we as a fantasy community uh, are smart enough not to have... I didn't see anyone giving advice of Kelsey as a buy low because absolutely nobody (laughs) is selling low on Travis Kelsey after one bad game. So, um, But I will ask you, Lopes, 
for you is CH a buy or a sell? Because right now, I have him pegged as a touchdown-dependent RB2. He's seeing more carries, but he also is starting to see a smaller snap share overall, losing some snaps to Daryl Williams, including uh, near the goal line, because CH did get a receiving touchdown at the goal line, but then Williams got a rushing touchdown later in the game. Um, I mean, depending on who you can get, are you buying or selling CEH overall? Yeah, to me, he's he's a hold. But if it's between those two, it is a sell. I'm not, I'm not going out looking for him. Okay, so just to toss a, a few names out there who potentially you could get depending on the instant reaction. Um, if you can get Daryl Henderson for CEH. No, Clyde. Okay, I think I'm actually taking Henderson there. Um, okay. Chase Edmonds? No, Clyde. Again, I'm I'm leaning the other side because we are seeing hmm. the Arizona offense being so efficient. So just having a piece of that offense and Kansas City is efficient too, but it does seem like Edmonds is getting more receiving usage, which is what I would prioritize in PPR formats, particularly full PPR. See, to me in those high scoring Cardinals games, and I think we've seen it play out the past two weeks, Connor starts to uh, give a little more value to himself uh, pulling away from Edmonds. I mean, he scored two rushing touchdowns in each of the last two games, but you know, if I'm betting on consistent production, I'm still betting on Edmonds in that pass catching role. Yeah. I'm taking him over Connor for sure. But, but the, the more points that they score in a game earlier in a game, the more you see Connor on the field. Sure. Fair enough. Okay. I could see that. Um, and then Nick Chubb. No Chubb. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what about wide receivers, right? We talked about mm-hmm. uh, Matt Ryan not clicking with Calvin Ridley. Uh, if you can get Calvin oh. Ridley for CEH. Yeah, I would do that. Okay. And then we also talked about Kyler Murray being smart with the ball, spreading around DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins. <laughs> for sure. DeAndre Hopkins. It's a long season. Hopkins is still going to be a top five wide receiver. Okay. And then we've seen Tampa Bay really splitting up the targets. Um, if you can get Mike Evans or Chris Godwin for CEH. Oh, I think that is very close and would depend on if I'm needing running back or if I'm needing wide receiver. It just depends on what other moves I've made to this point. That's that's about the closest one that you've asked. Okay. All right. Sounds good. And to, to me, um, yeah, I, I have Godwin and Evans pretty, pretty close to each other. Um, pretty interchangeable from a value standpoint. All right. All right. Should I just tell you that I'm picking the Chiefs? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I honestly, I struggled with this one. And um, if, if this game were in Buffalo, I'd, I would take Buffalo. And, mm-hmm. But because it's in, at Arrowhead, I'm taking Kansas City. I, I really hope Kansas City can get their offensive line right. You know, I don't think Buffalo is quite the pass rush to make this terrible. And while they do have, you know, the one of the one of, if not the best cover corners in the game, um, he's he's not shutting down Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I I, th- I think any we saw with Tampa Bay last year, right? They thought they could put single coverage on Tyreek Hill, and you just you have a safety over the top of Tyreek Hill, right? For sure. All right, but yeah, should be a should be a fun game. Should be a close one. Good choice for Sunday night. Best game uh, of the Monday week. night, Indianapolis at Baltimore. Um, Naeem Hines saw limited usage, though the Colts were up on Miami. 
pardon me, and had the luxury of both leaning into the run game as well as trying to showcase Marlon Mack for potential uh, trade partners. It's been reported that he's looking for a trade. They're looking for a trade for him. So I think that's what a little bit of what we saw there. Hines is a flex play here, but I would be pretty queasy waiting to see how he does on Monday night to determine my team's fate. So, uh, so I wouldn't do it. Yeah, it's It's really, it's really just Pittman and Taylor here. Um, Look, I've loved Mo Alley Cox for a while as a dynasty stash, but you know, his snaps were the result of Jack Doyle missing time with a back injury. Uh, I really wish the Colts would kind of unleash Mo Alley Cox. I do think he could be a a big red zone target. We saw him succeed in this game, but uh, I I just don't trust it. I think Alley Cox is more of a DFS play or, or a dynasty stash until we see more consistent usage out of him. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. Uh, as for the Ravens, hopefully you caught that Tyson uh, Williams was in fact inactive heading into this week. Um, <laughs> check the reports before the game start. Whew. I think his time is just about done. He was their running back three on the depth chart heading into the season. So this is not a complete and utter shock. Um, it's Latavius Murray from this point forward as a, as a, you know, back end middling running back too. it'll be interesting to see how much of the workload he actually gets on Monday, um, compared to, you know, Devante Freeman, um, and maybe Williams gets some play who knows, uh, Andrews and Brown are in play this Monday with Brown redeeming himself on a deep touchdown though. Bateman continues to loom large. Yeah, it's really weird because Le'Veon Bell did not look good at all. Um, I think nope. the better running back at this point is Tyson Williams. So definitely something to monitor here. Um, Latavius Murray. Doesn't matter what we think. Right, right. <laughs> Just uh, for Harbaugh. sure. I was going to say definitely monitor, you know, practice status this week. Uh, who's getting those first team reps. I think at this point, Murray is definitely the safest option. Um, if you're starting a Baltimore running back in fantasy, uh, he did get the touchdown, even though it was uninspiring uh, runs for the most part against the tough Denver defense. Uh, it, d- it depends on your options. I would hold Tyson Williams if you have the roster space, but certainly if you need wins now and you can get some of the running backs we talked about earlier, or we'll get to the waiver wire section in just a little bit. Obviously, you want the immediate help uh, if you're if you're falling behind in the standings here. Um, I, you know, I don't know what to think about Marquise Brown either. He he certainly did redeem himself uh, laid out for a long touchdown catch. Uh, but that probably just means uh, we're getting a couple of big drops this coming Monday night. I, I really don't know. He's he's going to be that boomer bus flex option for you. I mean, if if it comes to it and you can sell them for something, you know, if somebody's in love, I would certainly I would certainly do it. Yeah, for sure. All right. I'm going to take the Ravens. Yep, I will lean the Ravens as well. But again, they're a team that's been very Jekyll and Hyde mm-hmm. this year. So again, not not something I would necessarily chance uh, a survivor pick on, especially in prime time. Yep. Uh, no significant COVID news to this point, unless anything came through on your wire uh, tonight, Mon. Nope. Uh, you want to go right into the quarterbacks, Los? Sure, go for it. All right, uh, we've got Jimmy Garoppolo with the calf strain. Uh, he is doubtful with the Niners having a bye in week six. It's very likely that Lance is going to start this week and they'll uh, see where Garoppolo is in his recovery prior to week seven, as well as how good or bad uh, Lance looks against the Cardinals this week. Then we got Teddy Bridgewater with the concussion. He is questionable. Again, every player advances through the concussion protocol at their own rate. So it's hard to say whether Bridgewater can go this coming week, monitor his practice participation in the coming days. 
Andy Dalton with the bone bruise on his knee. He is questionable as well. The Bears offense looked much more competent against the Lions with Bill Lazor calling the place. And Matt Nagy reiterated that Dalton will be the starter when healthy. So, again, it does it probably does not matter in one quarterback leagues. You're not starting these guys, uh, especially with a tough stretch of games coming up. But Dalton is still in consideration in Superflex or two QB formats. Tua Tungo-Vailoa with the bruised ribs. He is on IR. He's not going to be back until week six at the earliest. And then Tarad Taylor with a hamstring strain, also on IR. And again, he will not be back until week six at the earliest. A couple of big news uh, shots for the running backs this week. Joe Mixon with the ankle sprain, doubtful so far. Uh, even though it's reportedly a low-grade ankle sprain, there's risk of in-game aggravation if, if Cincinnati rushes Mixon back too soon. And Cincinnati has not been the most upfront about the players' injuries. Uh, this is a situation to monitor closely over the next couple of weeks. David Montgomery, doubtful with the knee injury. The early reports are he did not tear his ACL, but this still looks to be a fairly significant injury. Check for updates on Montgomery in the coming days, but we expect him to miss at least a week or two, if not more. Uh, Damien Williams with the thigh bruise is probable. Williams was efficient with Montgomery out late in the game, and it sounds like he'll be the starter for however long Montgomery's going to be out. Williams is expected to play this week. Carlos Hyde with the shoulder injury, questionable. Hyde felt something in pregame warmups on Thursday night and was held out. Hopefully most fantasy GMs weren't starting Hyde anyway outside of very deep leagues, but Hyde's status will impact James Robinson's workload and production. So it's worth keeping an eye on. Delvin Cook, high ankle sprain, questionable. Cook started the game but limped off the field, likely having aggravated his prior sprain from week two. He came back in late. Uh, he came back in late with Minnesota trailing. But we could see a, a lot of Alexander Madison uh, in week five, like we did before in a matchup versus Detroit, that Minnesota may feel comfortable winning without Cook and letting him rest up. Watch Cook's practice participation closely this week. He could be more of a risky flex than a running back one, even if he's active, depending on how much Minnesota wants to limit him. Christian McCaffrey questionable with a hamstring strain. It's a good sign that Carolina has not placed him on the IR, but they'll likely still be cautious with their franchise running back. He has a chance to return this week, but it depends on how he feels at practice on Wednesday. Monitor his status this week as Carolina could choose to give him another week to get back to hundred percent. Giovanni Bernard with the knee injury questionable. Bernard hyperextended his knee late in week three, and we'll need to see him log some practice time for him to have a shot at play uh, playing this week. Even then, his workload could remain limited with Fournette playing well as a pass catcher right now. Elijah Mitchell, questionable with the shoulder injury. He was able to get in some limited practice late last week, so the odds are good he could return this week. Monitor the practice status in a few days, but Mitchell could be a risk-reward flex even if he even if he's active in a committee backfield. Jermichael Hasty with the high ankle sprain out two to four weeks. As with Mitchell, the upside is there, but Hasty is a long shot to see significant work in a messy uh, San Francisco backfield. In deeper leagues, though, he's a potential preemptive waiver ad before San Francisco adds Hasty off of IR. And then, of course, as we touched on earlier, uh, Chris Carson, possibly with a hamstring, possibly not. Just keep an eye on reports as we head into the uh, the Thursday game. And just to tack it on at the end, too, Peyton Barber with that foot injury tonight. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't really mm -hmm. know anything about it because it just happened. But, um, uh, you know, it was Josh Jacobs' show yeah. anyway with him back active. So hopefully you weren't starting Barber anyway outside of deep leagues. Um, but something to monitor. Right. 
Moving on to the wide receivers here, we've got A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, both with hamstring strains, both questionable here. Uh, these Titans uh, are, are really uh, struggling with the hamstrings, so Tennessee desperately needs at least one of their top two pass catchers to return after losing to the Jets on Sunday. Monitor their practice status this week. We've got Chase Claypool also with a hamstring strain. A lot of ham hammies going around here. Uh, questionable. Claypool was downgraded late last week, so monitor his practice participation closely. He's going to need to get in at least a couple of limited practices to have a chance to suit up for Sunday. Will Fuller with his broken finger. He's already been declared out, so definitely not uh, playing him this week. No, uh, no exact timeline just yet. We'll see if he needs surgery or just a splint. Uh, worth holding in deeper formats, but again, I don't think he's a must-hold with Waddle and Parker playing well. And then with finger injuries limiting wide receivers more than other positions. Diami Brown with a knee injury. He's questionable. His role diminished even prior to the injury with Curtis Samuel back. So he's not a must hold in most formats with plenty of wide receivers contributing week to week. T Higgins with the shoulder injury. He's questionable, but it does sound like he was close to returning on Thursday night last week. Uh, but Cincinnati played it safe with the game. So with another 10 days to rest up, it is likely that Higgins will return this week. Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, again, yet more hamstring strains. Both of these guys questionable. Uh, the Giants uh, pulled out a win, but uh, you know we really don't know what the wide receiver usage is going to be like uh, once these two guys are healthy with Kadarius Toney and John Ross contributing a little bit. The targets could get spread around a little bit more, so... Shepard is worth holding, but not a must-hold. Rashad Bateman with a groin injury, he's questionable. He began practicing last week, but the Ravens ultimately decided to keep him on IR for at least another week, so there is a good chance that Bateman could make his NFL debut, but keep an eye on him. Jarvis Landry with an MCL sprain, he's on IR. He's going to be eligible to return in Week 6. Worth a preemptive add in deeper leagues, but again, Cleveland's passing offense has been anemic thus far and not a must-add in shallower formats. Michael Gallup with a calf injury, also on IR. He is eligible to return this week, so we'll see whether he can get any practices in, monitor his participation going forward. Although Prescott has been spreading the ball around, so none of these Dallas wide receivers have safe floors right now. Jerry Judy with the high ankle sprain. He is on IR and is eligible to return this week, but again, it's likely that he's not going to be back Till week seven or eight considering his injury should be on watch list though if he was dropped with Bridgewater probably back by then and finally DJ Chark with the ankle fracture that we saw early on Thursday night he is going to miss the rest of the year so he is droppable in all redraft formats and that'll take us into a couple tight ends. Rob Gronkowski, of course, doubtful with the rib fractures. With another Super Bowl being the objective this year, it's unlikely that Tampa's going to rush Gronk back uh, to make sure to re he's ready for the stretch run, especially if he didn't play in that New England game. He's probably not going to be back until week six or seven. And Logan Thomas injured his hamstring. He's questionable. He left that game versus Atlanta early, quickly was ruled out, uh, which is not generally a good sign. But keep an eye on his participation this week. All right, moving on to the waiver wire ads, kicking off with the quarterbacks. we got Sam Darnold, who leads all quarterbacks in rushing touchdowns. And this Carolina offense has been efficient, even missing McCaffrey this past week. Darnold should probably be rostered for the rest of the season at this point, not just a streaming option. 
Daniel Jones, like Darnold, Jones is playing well enough that he's entered the conversation as a rest-of-season starter, even in one-quarterback formats. His big issue is always the turnovers, but he's been remarkably safe with the ball. His only turnover so far has been the quote-unquote interception, but it was on a Hail Mary at the end of the half, so doesn't really count. Um, Both of these quarterbacks are playing well right now, and more importantly, they're adding rushing production on the ground, so that raises both of their fantasy floors and ceilings. Then we've got Taylor Heineke. The Saints defense has been slipping ever since their strong start against Green Bay in week one. Heineke has been the number eight fantasy quarterback the last three weeks since taking over for Fitzpatrick. So even in a tough matchup, he too provides that rushing upside and a fairly safe fantasy floor. Trevor Lawrence. Jacksonville finally seemed to have found a rhythm on offense against the Bengals last Thursday night, and Lawrence is going to get a struggling Titans secondary that just gave up multiple touchdowns and almost 300 yards to a previously cold Zach Wilson. And speaking of Zach Wilson, he was competent in their first win against the Titans last week. Give him credit where it's due, and he's going to face another poor secondary as Atlanta has allowed the third most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks thus far. Moving into running backs in Chicago, we have Damian Williams and Khalil Herbert with David Montgomery possibly missing multiple weeks. Williams is the next man up. Depending on the workload, he's a decent PPR flex option this week with upside. The rookie Herbert is worth a look in deeper leagues as Williams has already hurt himself, though he's expected to be fine for week five. Again, it does not sound like Montgomery's injury is season ending, so don't go too crazy on fab bids for Williams as of now. Alexander Madison, of course, in Minnesota. Madison is mostly rostered, but with Cook having aggravated his ankle injury in their loss to Cleveland, Minnesota could choose to hold him out for a week or two and let him get back to 100%. It's worth checking to see if Madison was dropped in your league after the news that Cook was back last week. Cordero Patterson. Patterson is mostly rostered at this point, and he should be a sell high depending on what you could get. But considering his receiving usage and chemistry with Matt Ryan, he should be a decent running back two option rest of season and PPR scoring. In Cincinnati, Samaje Pirine and Chris Evans with Mixon potentially out a week or two. Pirine has some upside versus a Green Bay defense that's allowed a rushing touchdown to a running back in each of their last two games. Evans also has PPR upside in a pass-catching role if Cincinnati were to trail big in the first half. Kenneth Gainwell, we mentioned Gainwell on last week's uh, waiver section already, but he's been the clear number two running back in Philadelphia all year and has running back three or flex value with his pass catching role, especially in games where Philadelphia is an underdog. It wouldn't be all that shocking if Gainwell again out touches and outscores Sanders this week versus Carolina. Michael Carter, the rookie's role continues to grow after he started versus Tennessee and saw the most carries and targets among the just running backs. Atlanta has allowed three rushing touchdowns to running backs in four games, plus a receiving touchdown to McKissick this past week. Carter is a touchdown dependent flex, but has a decent shot to hit this week in London. Alex Collins in Seattle. Collins saw a significant usage with Carson limited by a lingering hamstring strain. <laughs> Collins is just the desperation RB4. If Carson again sees limited work on a short week with the Seahawks playing on Thursday night. However, he's a worthwhile stash in case Carson were to aggravate his injury and miss time. Giovanni Bernard in Tampa in a game where Tampa trailed and abandoned the run. Bernard was a PPR machine versus the Rams with Tampa's secondary hurt. There's a chance that Bernard could see more snaps once he's back as the most reliable pass catching back on the team. And finally, Rodney Smith. If you're desperate, Smith saw five targets as the pass catching back with McCaffrey out versus Dallas. 
Don't expect much, but in deeper leagues, Smith has some PPR upside if you're in need of a fill-in this week. And at wide receiver, we're kicking off with Cole Beasley, who definitely disappointed against Houston. Uh, Buffalo played with a big lead for most of the game and faced tough coverage coverage versus Demisman King, but Beasley should continue to see targets in the coming games in potential shootouts with Kansas City and Tennessee on deck. He remains a fairly high floor wide receiver three with upside. Jalen Waddell, uh, he's mostly rostered, but Devontae Parker is still widely available. With Will Fuller possibly out multiple weeks, both Dolphins wide receivers are viable flex plays for the time being. LaVisca Chenault, with Chark injured early on Thursday night, Chenault saw a team-high seven targets and, more importantly, was targeted downfield. He was borderline droppable in the weeks past, given his early season usage, but Chenault could be a wide receiver three option going forward if Lawrence's targets are more concentrated on him and Jones now. Jacoby Myers, with James White injured, Myers has now logged 14 targets and 12 targets over the last two games, respectively. With White gone as a preferred checkdown option, Myers could continue to be a volume PPR wide receiver three as Mac Jones's favorite go-to target. Hunter Renfro, we'll see how he does tonight against the tough Chargers secondary. But even if he disappoints, he's going to be a low ceiling, high floor flex play in PPR most weeks. Darnell Mooney, who is Fields' favorite target against the soft Detroit secondary. However, we'll see if Andy Dalton returns this week or next once healthy. That could put a damper on Mooney's production, although he does have upside as long as Bill Lazor continues calling the plays on offense. And we discussed the quagmire in Arizona. Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, and Rondale Moore all are low-floor, high-ceiling wide receiver four plays while they continue to split snaps and targets. But the ceiling is there for all of them if this Cardinals offense continues being as efficient as they have been to start the season. Jameson Crowder, who led the Jets with nine targets against Tennessee, he figures to continue seeing volume from the slot as long as he's healthy and the Jets are projected to trail in a lot of their games this year. He's going to be a boom or, flus, excuse me, boom or bust flex option for you. Emmanuel Sanders, uh, he is the higher volume option, or excuse me, Beasley is the higher volume option most weeks with a safer floor, but Sanders has a similar ceiling as the downfield threat and go-to red zone target. He and Knox will likely alternate big games depending on who the touchdowns go to each week. Van Jefferson, who has seen the exact same number of targets as Robert Woods over the last two weeks, both are going to be boomer bust flex plays with Cup as the clear number one in Stafford's eyes. And finally, Curtis Samuel. He saw just four targets in his first game back from injury, but with Logan Thomas and Diami Brown both potentially out for a week or more, Samuel does have upside if his role continues to grow. And plenty of options at tight end here. Hopefully reminding you guys not to waste mid-round options on tight end in your draft for this very reason. Could have got Gronkowski for free and had plenty of good games so far. Now we've got uh, tight end free agents Dalton Schultz, who has played on 73, 68, and 79% of the snaps over the past three games since Gallup's injury. He's still a touch, he's still touchdown dependent, but luckily he faces a Giants defense that's allowed a touchdown to a tight end in every single game thus far on the off on this season. Dawson Knox in Buffalo. Like Schultz, Knox has become a full-time player with 83, 78, and 81% of snaps played over the last three weeks, and has high upside in a potential shootout versus Kansas City this week. 
Evan Ingram, he has not produced much yet, but his snaps increased from 56% his first came back to 68 this past week. And Dallas has allowed the second most fantasy points to opposing tight ends thus far. Max Williams in Arizona, he is very much touchdown dependent, but Arizona's offense has been incredibly efficient to start the season. If Murray can keep up this kind of efficiency, Williams has weekly touchdown upside, even on an iffy snap and target share. And Dan Arnold, Dan Arnold now in Jacksonville, he saw two targets versus Cincinnati on Thursday nights, just a couple of days after he was traded to Jacksonville. Once he gets up to speed, there's a path to fantasy relevance with PPR volume with Jacksonville expected to trail in just about every game this year. And if you need help at defense, uh, we've got the New England defense. We've seen what Bill Belichick does to rookie quarterbacks after the Patriots uh, had four sacks and four interceptions against Zach Wilson a few weeks ago. Expect more of the same against Davis Mills, even on the road. Dallas, the Cowboys have been surprisingly competent on defense under Dan Quinn, led by Trayvon Diggs' lead leading five interceptions through just four games. The Cowboys have forced two or more turnovers in every game this year and have a decent shot to keep that streak alive at home against their divisional rival. Minnesota defense. The Vikings have now recorded multiple sacks in each of their first four games and will face a Lions team that just allowed four sacks to the Bears. And finally, the Green Bay defense. Joe Burrow has been kept clean the last couple of weeks against the Steelers defense that was missing multiple starters as well as a toothless Jaguars defense. But the Packers have a shot to get after Burrow this week after having logged an interception and a fumble in each of their last three games, despite a disastrously cold start to the year against the Saints. And as always, uh, if you guys have more specific questions, again, some of these waiver wire ads really depend on whether you have a winning or losing record right now and whether you're looking for rest of season upside versus a spot starter for a couple weeks to get you a couple wins. So depending on your team or league, we're here to reply to more specific questions on Twitter. You can find me at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And you can, of course, find me at FFA underscore Los. That's L-O-S. You can find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Wherever you're listening, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. It's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. The first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there. They're going to hold on to everything the disease steals away. And the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen by funding research, advancing public policy, and spurring scientific breakthroughs. And by providing local support to those living with the disease and their caregivers, we're easing the burden until we accomplish our goal. But we won't get there without you. Visit ALZ.org to join the fight. Is your savings just sitting there? Well, put it to work. A premium online savings account from PenFed earns way more than the national average. So you can get your savings working on earning you a vacation, or a new kitchen, or that fancy exercise mirror. Apply at PenFed.org savings. Premium online savings account holders must agree to electronic delivery of account opening disclosures and monthly statements. $5 minimum required to open an account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Between the job, the kids, the TV I need to binge watch, I've got a lot going on. But I just discovered my new favorite shortcut, Vons on Instacart. Everything I need delivered right to my door in as fast as... One hour. Vaughn's organic produce, fresh treats from the bakery. Oh, 
Paper towels. Hang on. I gotta place another order. Download the Instacart app or visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first order. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. The first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there. And the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen. But we won't get there without you. Visit alz.org to join the fight. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet.